Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning, Faith Fam. How is everyone today? Good, great. Y'all happy to be in church today? Y'all ha- kids, you guys happy to be in church today? Where y'all kids at? Make some noise, kids. <laughs> so great to see y'all. Whether you're in the house or joining us online, thanks for being with us on Next Gen Sunday, where we get to celebrate what God is doing among the next generation. To see him raise up a young people, to go after him like never before is incredible to be a part of. So before we start, I just gotta say thank you to our lead pastor, Pastor Jason. Thank you for your heart to lead. Thank you for your investment in those that are next to see God do incredible things through our young ones. So thank you for your leadership. Would you help me appreciate our pastor this morning? I have been blessed to grow up the majority of my life in this church, so I remember the moment when I was 16 and Jesus became real to me. It was one of those moments where we know about God growing up, but there's a moment that we know about God to knowing Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And I remember Jesus knowing him when I was 16. He saved my life and transformed me, so it's an honor to invest that back into those who are next. This year, we have been blessed to see God do some incredible things through our next generation. Y'all saw in the video, we have had the opportunity to baptize more children this year than I think any year past. How cool is that that our young ones say, Jesus, I'm making you the Lord of my life. We have baptized more children. We've been able to share the gospel with more teenagers than we have in years past, and we are so excited about what God is doing because this is just the start just the start of how he wants to move and how he wants to work through our next generation. So thanks for joining us Next Gen Sunday. Kids, youth, how many of y'all are going back to school this week or next week or very soon? Raise your hand if you're going back soon. Okay. Tomorrow. How many of y'all are excited to go back to school? Make some noise if you're excited. Okay, okay. That That was so much better than the last service. How about this one? Make some noise if you're sad that summer is over. <laughs> uh, it's funny because this is, this is the tension that we live in walking into new opportunities. That we can be excited because it's a new thing, but then we can also be kind of sad because we know what we're losing. And for me, when I was a kid, it was always hard for me to be excited about a new school year because I knew how the last one ended. And my experience of one year and what I walked through made it hard to expect anything good the next year. And not only did children, not only do y'all experience this in school, but even some of us experience it in our workplace. It's hard to get excited about a new week because we know what our boss did to us last week. If your boss is in the room, don't point. I'm just kidding. kidding. Y'all are the best, so we love you. Not my boss, your boss. But it's so true, though. Sometimes what we experience negates and diminishes our ability to expect. 
Because a lot of us would love to walk into a new school year, yippee coming in hot, it's gonna be great. We would love it, but then we know how we left off the last one. Well, the last one wasn't so great, so how do I expect the next one to go? And sometimes this is the tension that we live in of wanting to expect, but then remembering our experience. And at some point or another, not only are our children and our youth, those going back to school, but even parents ourselves going back to our workplace, dealing with our family members, live in this tension of, God, I wanna expect you to show up and show yourself, but I remember my experience. And how many know sometimes our experience makes it hard to expect? That this is kind of what we have to live in between. So I wanna talk today from this title, Three habits to help your hope. Three habits to help your hope. Because here's the reality of life. We must move forward with hope and anticipation and expectation. We must move forward expecting God to show up. We must move forward desiring him to make himself known in our midst. I mean, our name is Faith Assembly. We put it on the door to walk in faith. And you see, faith does not exist if we are not hoping and believing God to do something. Hebrews tells us this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That if hope is the destination, our faith is a vehicle that gets us there. They go hand in hand. So I want to talk to you about how to build our hope and anticipate God despite what we've experienced. Because here's the danger and the temptation is to lower our expectation of God to the level of our experience. And if we do that, then we will factor faith out of the equation. Our expectations will only ever be met and never exceeded. But I mean, no, God is a God who is able, who has done it in the past and is able to do more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. So let's live with this great hope and anticipation. So, Lamentations chapter three is where we're gonna be at. If you got your Bible or biblical device or your kid's phone, whatever you got, we'll roll with it. Lamentations three, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? If you're ready, say let's go. All right, all right, all right. Lamentations is written by Jeremiah the prophet. And Jeremiah writes this, and he's telling us how to have hope. And what I love about Jeremiah's writing is he is not teaching us how to hope from a good circumstance. He is teaching us how to hope when he's lost everything. You know, some people, like you see, they've got everything together, and they're like, just be happy. And you're like, easy for you to say. (laughs) Jeremiah is not that person. Jeremiah has lost his home. His life has fallen apart but yet he's writing to us about how to live hoping and believing God for incredible things. Here's what he says. He says, remember my affliction and my wonderings, the wormwood and the gall. He is using these words to emphasize the bitterness that he feels in as he's writing this. He says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. What you call to your mind while you're in it will determine how you live through it. While you're in the middle going through what you're going through, what you bring to your mind will determine the way you experience the rest of it. 
So Jeremiah says, I'm in it, but I am focusing on something else. He says, this is what gives me hope. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He says, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love how Jeremiah starts telling us about God, but then takes a moment to pause and starts praising God. He says, the love of the Lord never ends, but then he says, great is your faithfulness. He takes a pause and he quits telling us about God and starts praising God for who he is. And there are moments in our life we don't need to hear about your relationship with God. God, we just need to come and give you praise and give you honor because you are worthy of it all. He says, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Some translations say it like this. The Lord is my inheritance. Says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. God, we thank you for your word that you have given. Lord, we thank you that your word is sharper than any sword that cuts between bone and marrow and it ministers to the exact point that it needs to reach. So Holy Spirit, I ask that your word would minister, that it would cut sharply and speak to each individual and each home exactly what they need to receive from you this day. God, I pray for every home represented here, whatever they're dealing with, whatever they're walking with. God, would you teach us how to have hope and live with an anticipation this morning? In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Y'all may be seated. Won't keep y'all standing for the whole message. I only did that for one wedding, and I'll never live it down, so never again. <laughs> I said before that Sometimes it's easy to allow our experience to influence our expectation. It's easy to allow our experience with our coworkers and our boss expect something different out of them when we go back to work. It's easy to allow our experience with our kids who don't want to sleep at night change our expectation for the next night. People be asking me, we just celebrated our son's birth. Have you slept? Some nights except the nights I have something to do the next day. Then I don't sleep at all. <laughs> he just knows. And it's easy to allow our experience to try and influence our expectation. And in reality, it does influence it. It does influence. The, what you experience, the way you're treated, what you walk through, without a doubt, influences the way you expect God to show up and show himself. And what we have to be conscious of as people is that we would never allow ourselves to lower our expectation of God. Because God is able and he wants to exceed it. And when Jeremiah is writing this message, his experience of life does not line up with his expectation of God. His experience of life is not joy and shouting and jumping up and down and praising God. His experience is terrible. He's experienced his home be ripped out. He's experienced exile. He has experienced losing so much, yet his expectation of God is still, you are good to me in the middle of this. So I want to show y'all three habits to help you hope that in the middle of what you're going through, we would still have hope and inspect and anticipate God to work in our midst. The first one is this, three habits to help you hope. Habit one, Recall your thoughts. Recall your thoughts. The writer says this, Jeremiah says, remember my affliction and my wonderings. 
He says, my soul constantly remembers it, but then he skips down and he says, but this I call to mind. Now, doesn't calling to mind sound a lot like remembering? And even some translations just use the word remember twice, three times. And so when you look at this, it's what the heck is the difference between remembering and calling to mind? Because it sounds the same. But hey, you know, every word God puts is intentional. So when we look at the way Jeremiah is writing this, he is saying, on one hand, I know my experience. He talks about the emotions that he deals with and what he feels. He says, I feel my bitterness. My soul remembers and is humbled inside of me. He says, I feel it. I know it. I've experienced it. But then on the other hand, he says, but this I call to my mind. And what he is distinguishing here is the difference between the emotions that he feels that influence him and the reality of who God actually is in the middle of it. He says, I remember it, I feel it, I experience it. But then whenever he says, this I call to mind, look at what he's saying. He literally writes like this. When I call this to my mind, he says, I am turning my inward man over to something else. Because how do we know? We feel it. What we experience, the feelings don't go away. What we've walked through, some of y'all have walked through hell on earth, and I will never be able to relate exactly to what you have walked through. David says this, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and I love he doesn't describe it because it's unique and individual to every one of us. But what Jeremiah says is he says, I feel it. It doesn't leave me. He says, but I choose what my focus is while I'm in it. And this is the difference between allowing ourselves to be controlled by our emotions and what we feel and being controlled and directed by the word of God and who he actually is. He says, I make the conscious choice to turn my inward man onto something else. That I know it, I know my experience, but I don't live in it. I know my past, I know my pain, but I don't live there. It doesn't go away. I don't just get to forget it and move on. It's with me forever. But he says, I have the ability by faith to turn and focus on something else. And you see, this is where faith comes alive in our heart. It's not that all of our problems go away. It's that I don't have to live in it. And by faith, God, you can set my mind on something new. He says, I call something new to my mind. And I wonder what are the stories you tell yourself that you need to start calling something new to your mind? What are the things you tell yourself as you go about your day that you have got to start calling something new to your mind? About a year ago, I was at home and checking the mail like usual and I get this letter from Honda and I'm like, what the heck is that? Who do I owe money to now? Like, I don't even wanna look at it. (laughs) I open it up and... uh, I look at it and it says at the top, it says, recall notice, you may be affected. And it says this, that the parts originally put out by the manufacturer aren't any good, so I've gotta take it back to the one who made it and allow them to put something new in it. It's a recall. And I wonder how many of us need to start doing a recall process on our thoughts and what we tell ourselves because the first story, the first edition, the first diagram of what happened isn't good anymore and we gotta bring it back and go to the one who made us, the one who knitted us, the one who formed us and say, God, speak to my heart and mind. 
Some of y'all gotta start recalling your thoughts. Stop living in the negative of how you always feel about yourself. It's time to start calling something new to your mind. That's not faith. That's spiritual poverty, and God established you and gave you enough for the season that you're in, so quit reminding yourself of everything you're not. He says, I call something new to my mind. And if we're gonna walk in places and experience God like never before, we've gotta start calling something new to our mind. And I don't know what that is for you. I said this earlier that I wasn't always the biggest fan of school whenever I went because it was hard for me to expect a school year to be good when I knew how the last one ended. And I love to learn. I love to learn new things. In fact, sometimes I'll just sit there and I'll be scrolling on Safari on my phone looking up stuff. Lindsay and I will be talking about the baby and she'll be like, how do you know that? I'm like, I I Googled it. You can find out anything on Google. (laughs) I love information, but I had such a hard time getting along with those around me. That the information side, the school side, great. The social side, mm, not always my cup of tea. And here's what would happen. My expectation was influenced by what I experienced in elementary school. That stuck with me for, shoot, even now I've got to start recalling thoughts that I've told myself and start putting something new in line. In fact, I put this in our wedding vows, and I don't know if Lindsay's in the room, but it was in our wedding vows, so I can say it anyway. Um, I'm going to tell you what I experienced in elementary school that led through my middle school and high school life, that when I met her in ninth grade as a freshman, she sat beside me in a civics class, and one of our first conversations went like this, do you have any friends? She said this to me, and I'm like, how do I answer that? Because on one hand, no, not in this room, but I don't want to admit that to you. (laughs) Do you have any friends? So I put it in our wedding vows. (laughs) It was fun and she loves me and we are best friends to this day. But here's what made it hard for me to interact socially. I remember when I was in kindergarten or first, second grade, younger than seven years old, I struggled with eczema extremely bad. I would get extremely dry, itchy, rashy skin that looked like a disease. And when I was in high school, I told someone it was a disease just so they'd leave me alone. I had a real big rash, and I said, it's going to get you, and they ran away. (laughs) But before I knew how to have fun with it, I remember being in elementary school, and my hands, my arms would be covered in rash and scabs from just itching and digging, and my eyes would be extremely red and flaky, and the comments that pierced my heart were from those around me that said this, why do you look like that? You know what it does to a little kid to hear, why are you different from everybody else? And so I remember at a young age, the story and the narrative being, you're not like anyone, you don't fit in with them, and they don't want to be around you. That's the experience for my life. That influenced my expectation of how I would live with other people and even expect God And even to this day, I've got to start recalling thoughts and bringing it back to say, no, that's my experience, but that's not the word of the Lord. There are the way people treated you, but that's not the word of the Lord and his goodness for you. There are people who have said things about you, but they are not God. So start recalling it and bringing it back and going to the one who formed you and knitted you to allow him to speak over your life. First habit is recalling our thoughts. 
The second habit is this, remembering his mercy. Remembering his mercy. When our thoughts are recalled and brought back, they still need to be replaced. If we don't replace them with something else, then we'll just repeat the same thing that we did before. But when we replace them, we can walk in something new. And so the writer says, I recall this to my mind, and this is what I put into effect. He says, the love of the Lord never ceases. Isn't it amazing how Jeremiah says, I lost everything, but God still loves me? That your experience doesn't negate the love that God has for you. He says, the love of the Lord never ceases His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. You see, we have to remember this, that God's goodness, his faithfulness, and his love is renewed to me every single morning. That every time the light comes out and it shines with its bright goodness on my skin, let it be a reminder that the love of God is still there and pouring out himself on you. He says, I remember the mercy. I remember the goodness of God. And in fact, it's because of God's mercy that we're even here. Because what we deserved, what we deserved was what Jesus got, which was death on a cross for our sin and our punishment. That's what we deserve. We don't even deserve to have what we have, but it's the mercy of God that Jesus stepped in to save us. And now we have this joy and this hope. And what I love about new mercy is this, that it's new every morning. And here's what's interesting about that. In our culture today, the morning signifies a new day. Tuesday is new, Tuesday morning, right? Wednesday is new, Wednesday morning. But when the writer wrote this, the day wasn't new in the morning, the day was new in the evening, So Tuesday didn't start Tuesday morning. Tuesday started when the sun went down on Monday. It was now the next day. And here's what's so cool about this perspective, that to us, sometimes we look for new things only in new opportunities. Sometimes when the school year doesn't work out and the day doesn't go well, we say, I'll just scrap it and start again tomorrow. Sometimes when the work day isn't right, you say, you know what? I just shouldn't have gotten out of bed today. I'm gonna just try again tomorrow. And sometimes even when it's not even just that day, when it's the whole month, we say, I'm gonna just leave this job and go find another one. And I'm gonna just go look for a new thing. This relationship doesn't work out. I'm gonna look for a new opportunity and a new person. And we can be good at looking and describing new things with new times. But what the writer says here is not that mercy isn't just new with a new opportunity. It's new after the dark period. What's so interesting is the day started and it started in darkness and God brought his light into what was already dark. And what that means is that I don't need to wait for another thing, another experience, another person or another job to receive the goodness that God has for me. He's able to bring it in my life right now exactly where we are. Oh, that was way better than y'all responded. When we realize that, God, your goodness, the beauty of the gospel isn't that good things stay good. The beauty of the gospel is that broken things are made new. It's that dead things come alive. It's that God steps in to what was messed up and makes it better than before. So for everyone who thinks, oh, I messed up, I gotta go get something else. No, bring it to Jesus and allow him to put it back together. 
Don't just write off the opportunity and look for another one. Bring it to Jesus because every time the light interacts with what you have, he begins to make it new. John 1 tells us this, that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and that this word was the light of all mankind. Mercy is new when the light comes out. And Jesus, who is the light of the world, makes all things new the moment he steps into it. So take some time this week in the middle of your mistake, start inviting God into it. In the middle of the situation that you feel like you already messed up, say, God, I'm not dictated by what I feel. I'm gonna start inviting you into it. Start inviting Jesus into the friendships around you that, oh, I don't even wanna see them because we don't get along. But Jesus, you're gonna go before me and you're gonna start working. God, in our marriages that sometimes aren't going the way we want, Jesus, I am inviting and making a place for you in the middle of it. I don't need to go get a different person. God, I wanna see you restore what's already here. That mercy comes right where we are. And the best part about that is, let's start living in it. Because I see so many people who like Squidward from SpongeBob, another nanny, another nickel. <laughs> no, God's got something new for you today. So stop living in, oh, it's just the same old stuff, but a different day. No, God's got something new for you today. No, God wants to show me a new part of himself that I have never experienced before. So that is our pursuit. Live in another day, another nickel, another dollar, another whatever you want to call it. Let's live in this expectation of God, I'm going to see you today. God, I'm going to know your goodness today. God, I'm going to see you move in my life today, right where I am. Recall your thoughts and remember his mercy. The last one is this. You got the last one? My notes lost me. Remember your inheritance. Thanks, Pastor Jason. I, I picked up my Bible and all my markings fell out that I marked before the service. <laughs> uh, amateurs, tell you what. <laughs> Remember your inheritance. The writer says this, Jeremiah says in verse 24, he says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Some translations say the Lord is my inheritance. And you see, here's what allows us to walk in every day and every opportunity with a hope and an expectation because we're not looking for that day to satisfy us. We're already satisfied in who Jesus is. We can walk with expectation when we're not looking for the outcome to dictate our emotion. My emotion and how I feel and who I am is set in order by my relationship with Jesus because the Lord is my portion. Like David said in the Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because I am satisfied in who he is, you don't need anything else to come along and try to, come along and try to play God in your life. The Lord himself is our portion, which means that you can be satisfied, not in just the sports your kids play, not in the money you make, not in what you have. Our satisfaction comes solely from the Lord himself filling every void we have. This is why Jesus stepped in to our life. 
Isaiah says it like this, that God looked and he saw us far from him, so he himself stepped in to save us. That he, with his strong arm, stepped in to become exactly what we need. The Lord is my portion. And because the Lord is with us, because he is walking with you, our goal then is to allow him, our goal then becomes to allow him to minister to the points of need that we still have. The Lord is my portion. Some scriptures say it like this, the Lord is my inheritance. And I've never received an inheritance. If you don't have anyone to leave it to you, we'll take it. But these are the jokes, people. Never received an inheritance, but the way I hear that they work is this, that when one person, father and mother dies, they leave behind an inheritance to those that are next. Y'all follow me? If you're following me, say, oh yeah. Okay, good, didn't want you to fall asleep on me. He says this, the Lord is my inheritance. That because of this hope in Jesus, there is something we will receive because we believe in him. And our inheritance in large part is heaven. Oh, and this we know. Talking about, I'm gonna leave this world one day, give me Jesus, walking on streets of gold, hallelujah, not worrying about the clothes that fit because I'm perfect in heaven. We idolize heaven is our inheritance, that's great. We're gonna get it one day. But I don't wanna wait one day to receive from God when I could see him today. Our inheritance is heaven, but that's only one part of it. Here's the other part of it. Our inheritance isn't just what we receive when we die and go to heaven. Our inheritance is what we receive because Jesus died and went to heaven. You see, John 1 also tells us this, that all who believed in him, he gave the ability to become children of God. You follow me? And you see, when children has a parent that dies, they leave an inheritance to the next generation. And Jesus, who is equal with God, died, and because he died and rose again, there is something he left behind for right now. Ephesians 1, Ephesians marker fell out. Ephesians 1 tells us this. I can't believe it, Tim. You tried to help me too. Ephesians 1, verse 12, says this. There we go. God's promise was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. Now you Gentiles, plot twist, we're the Gentiles, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. Hallelujah, somebody. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Here's what he is saying, that when God, when Jesus died and rose again, he left the Holy Spirit behind as our inheritance. How many of you know what goes up must come back down? So when Jesus went up, he sent the Holy Spirit down. And what this Holy Spirit does is it becomes 
our deposit on the inheritance that God promised us. Anybody buy a house recently? Yes, no, maybe. That might be a good thing because the market's crazy. It's wild out there. And how many know you can look at a house one day and it is gone the next? Like, look at it on Zillow, don't even have time to put an offer because it's just gone. <laughs> Housing market's wild. And there's this thing, whenever you buy a house, you can guarantee your sale by giving them a deposit to hold your offer. And it's saying, here is something now that while I wait for the loan to go through, guarantees my spot to receive it later. And what the Holy Spirit is, it's God saying to us, I have promised an inheritance for you to receive later, but until then, this is what you have and walk in right now. That the Holy Spirit is what God left us as we wait for this blessed hope of eternity. And how many know, because the Holy Spirit is our inheritance, Because the Holy Spirit is our inheritance, that allows us to change the way we walk. Hope comes when I realize the same power, the same strength, and the same spirit that raised our Savior from a borrowed grave is alive and active right now in you. That this is our hope that we have the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we can walk and go where God has called us to go. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we can have a boldness to walk out the hope and the goodness of God right where we are. That because we have the Holy Spirit, we can walk with anticipation and an expectation for God to work through our life right where we are. And I wonder, what does God through the Holy Spirit, want to do through your life right where you are. See, because of the Holy Spirit, when you walk into the room, you have the authority to speak and see things change. That because of the power of the Holy Spirit, things got to change when you walk in the room. They don't just have to stay the same. Because of the Holy Spirit, you can speak with the authority of God and see him work and move in your midst. That this is our inheritance, that I can live with hope because, God, you're going to work in this situation. I don't have to limit my expectation because of my experience because, God, you have given me the Holy Spirit to work in my life right now to see you move. How many know God's given you the Holy Spirit to see that coworker get saved? God has given you the Holy Spirit to speak and lift up and be an encouragement to the boss that you're under. God has given you the Holy Spirit to carry out the will of God right where you are. So you don't have to walk in the same old, same old. You can see God move in your midst. He says, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. My hope isn't in what I see on this side of heaven because the Bible says that the world that rejected Jesus will reject me as well. I don't have to find my approval from it. My hope is, God, you're gonna look with joy. God, you're gonna give me your spirit. God, you're gonna step in and move in my life. You see, what has struck me recently is this thought that the confirmation of the presence of God isn't that he changes everything. It's that he changes us while we're still inside of it. That God doesn't always look down and change everything he ex we experience, but he changes us in the middle of it. That like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who still went through the fire, God stepped in 
and showed them a new part of himself while he, they were in it. That like Daniel who was tossed in a lion's den, he didn't, God didn't remove him from the experience. He stepped in and showed him a new part of himself while he's in it. And as we go, we believe that God, you are able to show us a new part of yourself that we've never seen before. This is why it's a habit. This is why there are habits to help our hope and not one, two, threes that we do. Because it's a habit to keep recalling my thoughts. It's a habit to keep reminding myself of the mercy of God everywhere I go. It's a habit to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit that he would allow us to walk in something new. That just like God led the Israelites and the people of old into something completely new, he's able to lead us in new things, new places, and new opportunities because he is good. If that's you and you say, you know what, God, I want you to lead me somewhere new in my life. If that's you and you say, you know what, I don't wanna just live in the same old, I wanna experience a new part of who Jesus is. I don't wanna just stay stuck in what was. God, I wanna show, I wanna see you like I've never seen you before. If that's you and you say, you know what, I wanna walk in something new, would you just lift a hand so we can pray for you right where you are? God, we take a moment and we come here today and God, we tune our heart and our ear to heaven to say, Holy Spirit, would you speak and would you build our faith that we would expect great things from you to see you and to know you. God, I pray that the God of hope would fill you with all joy that you may expect and experience the goodness that God has for you through the power of his Holy Spirit that is alive at work within us. God, we look forward to this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. How many are grateful for the word this morning? That we would be people anticipating the new and being available to what God is doing because God is constantly on the move. And uh, a couple things we, we want to share with you uh, on this Next Gen Sunday. Uh, but before we get into an announcement that, uh, or an update that we want to share, I want to take a moment just to uh, acknowledge and say thank you to our faith kids and faith youth yeah. serve teams, those that serve on a regular basis. So we're already applauding you, but I, want, I would love for you to take a moment. If you are a part of our serve teams with our faith kids and faith youth, would you please stand? We just want to acknowledge and say thank you. Come on, give. Where, where are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Come on, stand up, faith kids, faith youth. Yeah. Come on. We just want to say thank you because you are impacting our faith kids, our next generation. You may be seated. Uh, we are so grateful for you because the heart of what we want to do as a house is about raising up the next generation. You know, the question of, of identifying how productive or, or how healthy are we uh, as, a, as a group of people, the health is shown by what we reproduce. And when we reproduce in a, in a way of just impacting the next generation, it shows the health that is on the inside. And so uh, it's just a joy to see our young people, our faith kids, leading us in worship. Was that fun or what? I had a blast. I, uh, that was amazing. Uh, first service, I was jumping with them, and I thought, good thing I don't have to preach today. You weren't Woo. so, I watched too. There was a little Grandpa JJ coming out in you because yeah. I saw I saw some tears coming down. I'll own it. I'll take it. I, I don't you, care. I, awesome. I got to be honest with you. There's things that move me, and here's what moves me, the presence of God and watching young people get moved yeah, in the presence absolutely. of God. I'm, I'm just, absolutely. I'm smitten by it. So I'll just admit, I'll, uh, I'll tear up over that anytime I watch young people just going after Jesus and uh, and then of course uh, Pastor Mike being a, a product of this house growing up here and bringing yeah. the word uh, just exciting to see as we impact and reach and raise up the next generation 
One of the things, if you've been a part of our church for a while, uh, our heartbeat here at Faith Assembly is reaching people to reach their purpose yeah. in just effective, tangible ways. It's family in a way that we can have generations and the family worshiping together. We've been on this journey for a, a few years now uh, looking for a place that we can relocate that would allow us to be more accessible, more more centralized, and having more room. And so we've been, we've been praying and continuing to pray, but we sense God leading us at this moment to progress while we wait. There's a there's an act of waiting that is trusting God, but how many know waiting doesn't mean just stand still? Waiting right. means to be good stewards of what we have in the moment. And so we are looking forward in October of making a, a shift and a change right here because in this place, we believe God has given us some resources and opportunity that yes, there'll be something that is next, but we also believe just as Pastor Mike preached that next is now. It's not yeah. just what we're waiting for, but it's also moving in now. And so October 23rd, something exciting is going to be happening here at Man, Faith Assembly. I'm so excited to tell you. I know as a parent of kids, and if you are a parent or a grandparent or you bring kids to this church, you know so much, so sometimes how much on a Sunday morning to have your kids five levels, four flights of stairs completely away from you and up here. I mean, that is a difficult thing. And oh, we have volunteers that make it work each and every week, and it's an exciting thing. But we started dreaming a few weeks, months ago now, and really started asking God what to do. And so, Pastor Jason, as, as we've been coming together, I know we've, we've hashed this thing out, went over it time and time again, starting October 23rd, 23rd yep. this year. So it's just a few weeks away, October 23rd. Our entire Sunday morning kids ministry will happen in this building directly below us right here. Work has already been underway. It is an exciting thing. If you are a parent, of a kid, I know that has to get you pretty happy right now. Come on, yeah. give God a bit. Yeah. All the parents are... I know, it's yeah. a big deal. It's a big deal. So, uh, we're actually going to show you, it's, we're actually going to show you the way it's going to set up. So, right below us right now, this K-6 Kids Sanctuary will be the existing room two and four, which is over in this area right below, right below us. It's already underway. Some things are already happening. And then also over on this side, which is considering rooms one and three right now. Uh, that will be where our current, pre will be our preschool and our game room area. It's going to be a fantastic opportunity. The entire check-in process will happen downstairs in the Point Cafe area, which is an exciting moment. They'll be able to put that up on the screen for you as well. Uh, the entire check-in process will happen there, which is a great opportunity for parents because parents don't always get a chance to be able to go into the Point Cafe and enjoy what is offered there because you're running down and back and forth trying to make it happen. I mean, all the calories you burn running those stairs, you should get a pastry at the Point Cafe, but we're going to give you an opportunity to be able to even walk into that area and check your children in there. And the nursery is staying right where it is. The twos and threes are staying right where they are currently. But there will be a brand new check-in area that will be all accessible right there, right in front of the mother's room beside the nursery. Everything is going to be safe. It's more access, right? More yep. accessible, more centralized. But then this is the part that gets me, Pastor Jason, more room. Yeah. Because it, like in my mind, I mean, that's a huge building down there and then we're moving them back up into here. So 
I cannot believe this. I actually made Pastor Mike and Carrie, uh, who, by the way, none of this could be possible. You want to talk about God's favor and God knowing what he, what he had planned for us before right. we did. Man, to have Carrie and your family here, Carrie, this could not happen with you. I know you're our maintenance man, but let me tell you something. You are vital to the ministry right. of what is happening here at Faith Assembly. That's right. I love you, man. Yeah. Yeah, and so and, ironically uh, it's, enough. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable, but just the sanctuary area alone, just the, the K-6 sanctuary is over 100 square feet larger this area than it is down there. I mean, this is more room for our kids. It's going to be an exciting time. Yeah. You know, I, I know I was born and raised in uh, my family coal miners, but I worked on a farm growing up my whole life, and I knew this one thing. If you wanted to start a fire... You had to gather all the sticks together into one place. And we're going to light this thing up. It's going to be a bonfire on Sunday morning. We're bringing it together. It's more centralized. Everything's in this building. More accessible through the Point Cafe. will be all the check-in. And then more room. As you talked about, there are some rooms that will open up more space. But we also know that with the fires, we bring the embers together. It also needs room to breathe. And so we are also on October 23rd going to be adjusting our service schedule. And adjusting our service schedules will give us more time within the service to allow for for the the flow uh, of what God is doing within the service, but then also time in between our services as we're transitioning with kids and all that is happening. So on October 23rd, in that same time, our new service schedules are going to be 8, 15, 10 a.m. and 11:45. Not that huge of an adjustment, but that 15 minute opening up more of a window within our services and some of the transitions. And so we are looking forward uh, in uh, this fall as we move forward uh, of just creating more space and making it more accessible. We are progressing while we wait. We know that there's opportunity. God is yeah. going to continue yeah. to shift and, and tweak and adjust because life is a constant adjustment as we're learning to trust God in every season, in every place. And so we, we sense and strongly feel that this is God's timing right now, that as we wait, we progress. And so October 23rd, this is going to move forward, and it all happens for this reason, and that is that we can reach people to reach their purpose in Jesus Christ, that right. we can reach people to reach their purpose in Christ more effectively because it's not what happens in a building. What God is doing is more than a building. That's right. Who we are is not defined by the address, by a building, the structure. Who we are is defined by the presence of God and the relationship that we have with one another. Yes. And so we are impacting uh, our world because there's a group of students going back to school this week. And we're going to pray in Jesus' name that they're going to impact the dark place. That there's, there's families that are raising up sons and daughters that would know the truth of God's word and to live like lights in a dark world. Not to complain how dark it is, but to stand as brightness in the midst of a dark place. Not to separate ourselves from the world, but to be a light in the world and to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so we want to take a moment here as we we conclude just to pray for our our students that are going back to school. We wanted to announce this on Next Gen Sunday because of just the excitement that's uh, going to be taking place and affecting our kids' ministry. But uh, we will not apologize for putting an investment in the next generation. One thing I know about being a parent is that my life shifted the moment my kids came along because it became about them and not about me. It became about leaving a generation or a legacy. Now I live my life in doing what I can to leave an inheritance to my kids. 
Yeah. I'm going to leave an inheritance. I'm not going to leave a debt for my kids. I'm going to leave an inheritance. I'm going to leave an inheritance of faith. And by God's grace, I'm also going to leave a, a financial inheritance. Why? Because I want to bless. That's what the Bible says, to bless the generation, that our children and our children's children, that we can impact the spiritual things of God. Because he's a God who's more than enough. I want my kids to know that they're following a father who trusts and a mother who trusts in Jesus Christ. And when they hit moments in life they don't know what to do, they remember the faith of their fathers. You know what? I remember the faith of my father. And you might not have a father like I did, but you know what? I remember the faith of my father, Abraham. Yeah, yeah. Abraham. He's the father of this movement that God set in motion. And oh, that through us, how many would say like Abraham, that the seed would be blessed that if the Lord should not return in our lifetime that we would set up the next generation to declare the glory of God to be the church that is actively advancing that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it it's not a question of will there be a church the question is will my children be a part of that church and as for me and my house I will declare I'm going to raise up a generation that will run after God my kids are grown and my kids aren't complete my kids are out of the house and they're grown but I'm still running with a father's heart to raise up a generation who will run after Jesus Christ with all they've got and that's why we exist and if you agree with that would you just stand to your feet right now and say God we give you everything we've got for the next generation that we would impact this generation to the glory of God Pastor Tim's going to close us in prayer and I want you to take a moment if you're around one of our faith kids faith faith youth or faith faith kids man we want to pray for them they're getting ready to go back to school let's pray I want to take a moment if you're a teacher or a part of our school schools uh, in in any way you you work in, in our schools would you just wave your hand and right now lift your hand and wave at us because we are praying come on all the teachers come on give it up for our teachers that are influencing our young people man you're crucial you're vital you're significant whatever function you have in a school you are significant i want you to know we are praying for you we are praying for our young people and by god's grace let's have a great fall I, I'm, I'm, I'm mourning a little bit, Pastor Mike. Summer's over. But I'm still excited for what, what is next and what God has before us. Come on, let's pray as we go here today. Pastor Tim, would you lead us? Lord, thank you so yeah. much for the privilege and opportunity we thank have. You, Lord, as your word says, that one generation will declare your glory yeah. to the next. That's and right. Lord, we declare the glory of God over this generation. Lord, Lord, these young ones that are coming up and learning and growing, Lord, I pray that a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit would blow through their homes. Lord, blow through their bedrooms. Lord, walk with them. Lord, even as they start school, maybe tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday this week, Lord, I, pr- I command angels to guard them and protect them. Lord, watch them and walk with them to and from in the bus and off the bus and Lord, into the classroom and out of the classroom everywhere they go. Lord, I pray the presence of God would go before them. Lord, even when they come home, Lord, I pray they'd be able to say to mom or dad or to grandma, grandpa, whoever's watching them that day, Lord, that something had been different about them that day, that something, Lord, things were falling into place for them. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would raise up, Lord, men and women to be soul winners in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for revival to hit every elementary school, every junior high, every high school, every college. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray you would raise up spirit-filled teachers, Lord, support support personnel, administration, bus drivers. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, may Fayette County be known as a place that not only is the Spirit of God in the churches, but Lord, may it be in the communities, Lord, in our government, in our workplace, Lord, in these schools, in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you do what only you can do? Build 
your church and may the gates of hell not prevail against it. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you agree together this morning, come on, give God a big shout of amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, thanks for being with us in church today. As you go, or even as you came, you should have gotten a card. It says he gets us. And so next week, we are kicking off the whole month of September. It's all about reaching people with the gospel. So invite your friends, invite your family, those who don't know Jesus Christ. Throughout the, the, the month of September, we're believing that God is going to give us souls for his glory, for his kingdom. So get out there this week. Let's invite people. Have a wonderful